Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upburnfrisco.com. We're in Advent season. I love this season. Uh, it's a time where we look back at how Jesus came and we look around at how this Jesus through the Holy Spirit is coming now and we are looking forward to how he is coming again, which makes sense, right? Because we serve the one who was and is and is to come. And so Jesus, all three, we get to rejoice at how he came, experience how he is coming in our lives right now, and look forward with anticipation to his coming again. What a wonderful reality that we get to live in. And uh, I especially love Advent season. I grew up in the church. If you're like me, you've heard these stories hundreds or thousands of times. And so, uh, but my, my prayer today and throughout this whole season It's not that we are just reacquainted with the stories, but it's that we would be re-enchanted by the man, Jesus. Um, And so, um, so far this season, well, let let me pray before we jump in. Holy Ghost, we welcome you as the teacher, as the rabbi. We thank you, Lord, that you are quickening our spirits to recognize your voice and to discover wonderful things from Scripture. We welcome the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would grow in our knowledge of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, so far this season, we've uh, we've covered humanity's desperate need for a savior, our desperate need for someone to pay our our ransom, and, uh, and how we cannot save ourselves, could not save ourselves. And that, that famous psalm that we sing every Christmas, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. We, we were held captive and needed a Savior, and he was more than happy, more than willing. He was ecstatic about coming and not just paying our ransom, but re- reconciling us back into his family because we are his kids. And we've also talked about how uh, the coming of Christ, his arrival is, it started a greater victory than anything Rome could have ever imagined. It was the best news ever. The gospel of Jesus Christ isn't just that he has conquered uh, an area or won some physical victory. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that he has won the greatest victory of all, and that is setting us free from our fear of sin and death, ransoming us from the domain of darkness and transferring us into the kingdom of the son whom he loves. And this is our third Advent Sunday, which I already mentioned is Gaudete Sunday. We get to rejoice together. There's a famous Gaudete hymn, and the lyrics are, rejoice, rejoice, Christ is born of the Virgin Mary. Rejoice, the time of grace has come. What we have wished for, oh, songs of joy, God has become man with nature marveling. The world has been renewed by the reigning Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Joy to the world. The Lord has come. I I bring you good news, goodwill towards all men. Last week, we started to introduce uh, John the Baptist, 
who is obviously the, the herald. He's the, the voice, the one preparing the way for Jesus. And, and we, um, we talked about how J- John is Jesus' herald, but John was so important, Jesus is so important that John had his own herald through the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 40, this is what it says, a voice of one calling, prepare the way for the Lord in the wilderness, make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rugged land a plain and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all humanity will see it together. And today I wanted to do a little bit of a deeper dive into this guy named John T. Baptist. John the Dunker. Uh, Let's open up to John chapter 1. You guys know that his middle name isn't the, right? (laughs) Okay, John chapter 1, verse 6. God, there was sent a man from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And we're going to skip down to verse 19. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I'm not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, what a weird question, right? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He he answered, no. And finally, they said, well, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Keep on going. Now, the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one who you don't know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. All this happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. So John was, uh, he's actually considered by the the church fathers of the first few centuries to be the last of the, the prophets, major or minor. I would think he's a pretty major prophet. Uh, he, he's a really, really important figure in our history. Um, he had one prophecy, this prophet, John. And that one prophecy is, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me who is mightier than I whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And this prophecy is so important. It's actually written in all four gospels and the book of Acts. It's one of those ones where we really don't wanna miss it. And so the Holy Spirit made sure to put it in every single book for five books in a row. 
I think that if, uh, if John wrote a gospel, he may have. I mean, he may have written a lot of stuff down. I wish, uh, I wish we had. I would love to read it, but I bet if John did write a gospel of his own, he would have had this one testimony of longing for the one who is greater than he. I bet his gospel would have been filled with his desire to see what it looks like when people are baptized into all of God. Because John is saying, I'm dunking you into this river right now. But the one who's coming after me, he is going to dunk you into all of God and turn you into a river. I imagine that his gospel would have been filled with him just talking about how amazing the lamb who takes away the sin of the world really is. In Mark chapter one, it says that all of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to John. Now, whether that's exactly right or an exaggeration, let me tell you, that's about four million people. Four million Jews got dunked in the river by John and his disciples. It is a full-time job. That guy must have had a strong lower back, okay? And the whole time he's saying, I'm dunking you in this water, but one is coming after me who's mightier than I. I'm not even worthy to touch his sandals. He's gonna baptize you in all of God. He's just saying it over and over again, looking for the promise of the Father. And when he's saying, I'm not worthy to untie his straps, he's actually identifying himself as he's not worthy to be the least servant in Jesus's household. The lowest level servant or slave would be the one at the door who removes the sandals from the master's feet because feet are gross. And that's, that is John saying, I don't, I don't know what you think about me but I'm not even worthy to touch this guy's feet. John, while he is preaching and baptizing all these people, he's actually standing in the very place that Israel crossed to enter the promised land in the river Jordan. He's standing there telegraphing that a new river will bring a new deliverance from the powers, not just of Egypt, but the power of death, Satan, and sin. His message, when he's saying prepare a way or make a straight path in the wilderness, that's like a hyperlink. Are you guys familiar with the term hyperlink? You know, when you go, you click one of the underlined words on the interwebs and it opens up a whole realm of thought on that one word. It opens up a whole other page. Well, when John is saying, prepare a way in the wilderness or make a straight path for him, that would have been a hyperlink for everyone standing there because they all would have been thinking about the first exodus and they would have been wondering, he's prophesying a new exodus in this moment, from the place that the last exodus ended as we entered the promised land. And on top of that, he is dressed in what? A garment of camel's hair, right? With a leather belt. That's what it says in in Matthew uh, chapter three, verse four. And this is not on accident. John, I don't think it was his preferred way to dress. 
He just knew that that's what he was supposed to wear, right? I can't imagine how scratchy a garment of camel's hair would be, but that's what he wears as he's baptizing people all day long. Do you know who else dressed like that? In 2 Kings chapter 1, it says, Elijah himself wore a garment of hair cloth and a leather belt, which is cooler than a leather belt. <laughs> so John, in this moment, he isn't just heralding a new exodus. He is actually standing there as a representation of Elijah himself. This is really important because every Jew of that day, even uneducated ones, would know the prophecy that before the day of the Lord, Elijah must come first. So now you can see this connection between John the Baptist and Elijah, and even Jesus himself, he said in Matthew eleven, fourteen, he said that John is the Elijah who was to come. John, when he would be preaching, often religious leaders would gather also, and he would, he would poke the bear. He would say things like, <clears throat> the axe is laid at the root, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And, and this is even more imagery from scripture. The, the tree, meaning the family tree, it's, it's a, phys- uh, a physical lineage. And, and what, what John is saying is, <clears throat> you guys are just trusting in the fact that you're born Jews, but a whole new rebirth has to happen. And he's saying, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what family you're from, what matters is bearing fruits worthy of repentance and becoming allegiant to the one who is coming, who is Jesus, because your, your upbringing means nothing from this point forward. You know, Jesus predates all constructs of lineage. He even said before Abraham, I am, right? That's one of the things that infuriated them the most. And so John is really just poking the religious bear in this moment. John had this incredible, humble message In John 3.30, he said, this is the one. This is the lamb who is to come into the world. This is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And he's saying, I, he must increase and I must decrease. So John is is like the ones in the throne room who, who are continually laying down their crown. John, who had one of the most important jobs in all of history, who is crowned with this glorious task, he sees the one coming, and he's throwing his crown down and, and says, I'm done. He's it now. And he passes it on. He's like, he's essentially saying, everything that I and everything of my calling was for this very moment to point to this one who has come. This deliverer, this Jesus on whom the spirit of the sovereign Lord rests, like it says in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on him. He is this Jesus who is anointed to pr- proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus, who is sent to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. This Jesus, who gives us the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. This Jesus, who makes 
us oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This Jesus who makes us able to rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated and renew the ruined cities and the places that have been devastated for generations. This Jesus who made us all priests of the Lord. John the Baptist He was supposed to be raised a priest. He was born of a priestly family. He should have been in rabbi school and in the temples and learning, but instead he knew from the Lord that he was sent on a peculiar mission out into the wilderness. We're no longer covered in shame because of Jesus, but we have a double portion. Instead of disgrace, we get to rejoice in our inheritance and everlasting joy is ours. So my question to you is, where, where might God be calling you to be a voice? And how are you using your greatness? You know, Jesus said of John that among those born of women, no one has arisen who is greater than John. And then he says this really cool, mysterious thing. I tell you the truth, he who is least in the kingdom is greater than he who's in the kingdom Raise your hand. What does that mean? That you're greater than John the Baptist? How dare I say that, right? That just seems like arrogance. It's not arrogant to agree with what Jesus says. He said, John the Baptist was the greatest human ever to walk the earth, greater than a prophet, Elijah, who was to come. And then Jesus says of those born in the kingdom of the Spirit that we're greater So my question is, how are we going to use our greatness? John the Baptist, who is this one who jumped in his mother's womb at the presence of the unborn Christ, as it says in Luke 141, John channeled all of his greatness into one purpose, to point to one who was even greater. So we're in this age of like celebrity preachers and talking heads and posturing pastors, Could you imagine the most influential influencer simply saying, I'm nothing but a welcome mat for the presence of God? No matter how cool you think I am, I'm not even worthy to touch his feet. I'm a signpost. That's who I am. That's what I am. I'm a signpost pointing to one who is greater. See, John was this great preacher of the word, but Jesus is not just a preacher of the word, he is the word himself. John was this great prophet, but Jesus isn't just a prophet, he's the fulfillment of all prophecies. If you were able to somehow tally up all the greatness and glory of every great and glorious man and woman throughout all of history, it would pale in comparison to the greatness and gloriousness of this one man, Jesus Christ. In this Advent season, I want us to posture ourselves like this Baptist, like this dunking man, this man who has more dunks than the NBA. I want us to, 
I want us to use all of the calling and greatness and glory that has been entrusted to us to point to the one who is even more so, the only one who is worthy, the one who is worthy to receive all honor and praise and glory and riches, this one who is worthy because he ransomed people from every nation, tribe, and tongue for God by his blood, this lamb who was slain from the foundation of this world, this alpha and omega, this beginning and end, every purpose of our life is to point to this one who is greater than we can even imagine. Do you guys want to do that with me this Advent season and for the rest of your lives? Can we stand in honor of Jesus together? I want to pray and bless us before we go in fellowship. Can I have the ministry team come forward also? Jesus, we thank you for your power. We thank you for the story of your coming. We thank you for how you're present in this very moment. You're present in our gathering. You're present in our worship. You're present in the Eucharist. You're present as we lay hands. Father, we thank you that you've made us voices pointing to you, the one who is greater than all. I pray, God, that this season we would be completely overtaken by your goodness and glory and re-enchanted by your presence all over again. In Jesus' name, amen.